Hello to the most wonderful people in the world and to Jesus be the praise. A very special message today. I pray the Lord will use it to bless your life. And I pray that God will use you and bless you, anoint you, prosper you this year. Hallelujah. And thank you. Thank you for being my wonderful family. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing to have you a part of my life. I've so, so enjoyed being with you now nearly, what, uh, almost uh, two years now on some, something like that. But I am just so blessed today to share God's word with you. And let's pray. Let's believe God that what, what you will hear will really prepare you, I believe, for the coming of the Lord and for heaven. You know, our life is a heavenly life. Dearest Jesus, oh, dearest Jesus, I come to you, Lord. I ask you to bless your people today in a very special way, Lord. Use your word to strengthen them, empower them. Fill their hearts with your joy and your peace. Wonderful Lord Jesus, amen and amen. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, I want to read verse 8. Through verse 10. So take your Bibles. I'm going to read Hebrews 11, 8, 9, and 10. And then we're going to read verse 13 through 16 of the same chapter. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Not knowing where he was going. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Imagine a man going out completely by faith, not knowing where he was going, trusting God. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's go to verse 13, and we read, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. There is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, For he hath prepared for them a city. Abraham comes out of Ur, then Iran, and now tells him, God now tells him to go into the promised land. God called him, and now he is on his way, not knowing where he was going, but he obeyed. It says, by faith, verse 9, He sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tents 
with Isaac and Jacob. Why? Why did he see himself in a strange country? Because he was not really looking for an earthly country. He was looking for a heavenly country. In verse 10, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So God brought him to the land of Canaan, but he wasn't looking for Canaan. He was looking for heaven. And verse 13 says, these all died in faith. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who had the same promise. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were persuaded of them. They embraced them. And by embracing the heavenly, they were confessing that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things, it says in verse 14, they that say, look, we're not looking for an earthly place. We're looking for a heavenly city. For they that say such things declare plainly, they seek a country, a homeland. So you may think, well, wasn't he already in his homeland? Well, that's not what we're reading, are we? He wasn't looking for that earthly country. When God said, come out from Ur, come out of Iran, and he came to the land of promise, the promised land, but that land was promised to him and his descendants. That land was promised that the people of God, the Jewish people, would have a land through whom Messiah would come. But was the promise really for a place on earth? Is that what God wanted them to look at, believe in? Way more than that. A heavenly country. Because our promise is not earthly. Our promise is heavenly. It's heavenly. And then it says, for truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, if they really wanted to go back to Aram, they could have. They had an opportunity to return, verse 15 says. But they desire now a better country. There is a heavenly country. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. God does not want us to focus on the earthly at all. We need to focus on the heavenly. I was born in Israel. I didn't think much about it when I was there. About it being the promised land. A land with wars. A land with pain and deaths as it is still to this day is this really a promised land no it was the way to the real promised land Abraham came to the land of Canaan to fulfill the promise that God would fulfill the promise and then that Jesus would come 
to that earthly land and down across. Present day Jerusalem is in bondage, the Bible says. That's what Paul wrote. It's, it's in bondage. But heavenly Jerusalem, that's what we're all waiting for. That's what we're all waiting for. So when we talk about the promised land, what are, what, what are we talking about? Are we talking about some earthly place? No, we're talking about a heavenly land. And one of these days when the Lord Jesus returns, soon and he will return soon, the present land of Israel will be completely renewed. And for a thousand years there will be peace. But then God will make a brand new earth. A new Jerusalem will descend from heaven. That's what we're all waiting for. Hallelujah. God Almighty wants you and I to see the heavenly. We press on towards glory. That's heavenly. Glory is not earthly. It's heavenly. So, when when you read First Peter, for example, let's go to it, will you? First Peter chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers, to the strangers, Abraham saw himself as a stranger in a strange land. Amazing he would call it the strange land. But he saw himself also as a stranger in that land. Well, the Bible here in the New Testament calls us strangers. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. The Greek says to the exiles of the dispersion. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Well, that's all in lands today that are very close to Israel. So, we have got to understand that if we want to be mature believers, the only way we can live the kind of life of full maturity in the Spirit, in this world, is to begin living for the next world. In other words, we cannot reach maturity spiritually till we start living for the next world now. We begin living for the next world now. Abraham was living for the next world while he was in the strange land called the promised land at the time. But the Bible says something powerful. He looked for a city whose builder is God. And people who talk like that, God is not ashamed to call himself their God. You know, isn't it wonderful to say, the Lord is my God. The Lord is my God. But I think it is awesome when God says, I am their God. I am their God. I want the Lord to say that about me, and you, I'm sure, you know, feel the same. I am his God. 
I am their God. Amazing. So our goal is heavenly. This is where the glory of God really is. Our goal is heavenly. And I think the time has come. We become liberated. We, we must become free from this tiny place here called earth. We're only on a very small, short journey. We must be compelled by a heavenly vision. We must understand we are strangers in this world and see that heavenly place, the heavenly. That's where we we, we live in the spirit, in the heavenly. We are a heavenly people. The natural world, as we know it, will not last long. This world that we, we call, uh, people call it their home. No, it's not our home. It's not our home. Our home is in heaven. So look, look at Psalm 102. Look at verse 25. I'm going to really talk to you about this because I want you to start thinking in that direction. Begin in 2022 to think in that direction. You are not an earthly people. You are not an earthly individual. You are heavenly, completely heavenly. So when people invest so much of their time and energy and talent into this dying planet, they're wasting everything, aren't they? Because God's word says, in Psalm 102, verse 25, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax like an old garment. Think about this planet. is going to one day look like an old jacket, an old skirt, an old something that people wear. As a vesture shalt thou change them. And they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. So when we talk about this planet, it won't be here for long. The Bible says so. In Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4. I mean, think about, you know, people fight over land and property. It's going to all burn up. I think about my part of the world. People fight over property. and People have died by the thousands and hundreds of thousands. And some places even by their millions. Over land. Nations have fought wars over some little islands here and little places there. One day they're going to all burn up. Look at uh, Second Peter chapter 3. Let's look at verse 4 through verse 7. And it talks about the, the, the heathenistic people who say, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, 
whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So the earth that we know today at one time perished with a flood. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment. And the perdition or destruction of ungodly men. So, you know, here we see clearly that this earth that people put so much into, think think about how much people invest in things that are earthly. They spend their life working, making money to invest that money in some earthly property or earthly business or earthly something. And all that one day will be gone. Only what's done for Christ will last, huh? Only what's done for Jesus will last. So it is sure that the world as we know it will be destroyed. The world, its desires, the dreams, of humanity, things people live their life for, desiring and dreaming about, and accomplishing, and then they die. How sad, huh? It's going to all pass away. In First John chapter 2, we have something really powerful about this. The Bible says in verse 17, it just it shows you the the futility, the meaninglessness, the emptiness of focusing and living and working and desiring earthly things. It says, "And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, the world passeth away." And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Awesome. Everything will go except one thing that cannot be destroyed. And that is the heart, that is the individual that doeth the will of God abides forever. So everything will pass away except the people. Think about it, the whole world is going to go. The universe as we know it. All creation, gone. Fire will burn it all up. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Paul talks about this too in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to get this to you. I want to slowly help you receive it. And receive it now in your spirit, man. Receive it deep in your hearts and souls. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 31, Paul the Apostle says, And they that use this world 
as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. The form of this world, everything about this world is going to pass away. Nothing will remain. So when you think about what the Bible says, Abraham dismissed the land, the physical land he was in. He saw himself as a stranger in a strange land. But he knew it was the way where he was, the way to the heavenly. The way to the city of God. He looked for a city from a strange place. Today people put so much into buildings. Oh, you see so much today. I, you know, people are so interested in giving money, for example, to do something, to build something for some ministry or some country. But nobody's building for the heavenly, are they? Millions of dollars, millions of dollars are given to people in Israel to build things that are not heavenly at all. Christians give money to all kinds of things inside Israel. They're not giving it to, 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 to win the lost. They're giving it to build settlements or build synagogues or build uh, something to do with what the rabbis are looking for. Believing that this is really what they, they have to do to please God. Well, it's nice. Um, <clears throat> it's a good thing. Some will say, well, I'm, I'm helping fulfill prophecy. So I'm going to give money to some cause in Israel. Israel doesn't need uh, the money of evangelicals. They have more money than the whole church. That's okay. It's a good cause. Worldly cause. It's not a heavenly cause. You know, I don't see the way the world people see it anymore. I used to. I've changed completely. I, I, now, you know, I'm so focused on heavenly realities. It doesn't really matter much to me anymore about what people do. There is a lot of religious activity. Yes, it's good causes. It's all right to help people like that. But let's focus on the heavenly. That's all I'm saying. Let's focus on the heavenly. I heard a man, uh, there's a great move today in, in Israel. Many are getting saved. And hardly anybody even talks about it or is giving money to support it. And uh, an Israeli pastor made a very powerful statement lately. He said, many evangelicals in America are sending many Israelis to hell with a full stomach. 
sending many Israelis to hell with a full stomach because they're giving them money for causes to do with politics. Not the gospel. How sad, huh? When people focus on things that are earthly, even sometimes religious things are earthly, they're not heavenly. We need to change the way we we see the Bible. We need to change the way we see the world. We see ourselves. It's all about heaven. It's all about God's heaven. So, knowing this world is going to burn up, knowing everything will be destroyed, physically speaking, this puts mankind into two classes. Those who live to fulfill their own desires, worldly desires, and those who live to fulfill the will of God. So, the future of one who focuses on earth is destruction. But the future of the one who focuses on heaven is glorious. In Second Thessalonians, I know I've, I've said things today, maybe, you know, you wonder, like, why did Benin say that? The Lord has done a mighty work in me, saints, in the last few years. Because now I'm focused so much on how to close to close my life, to finish my my life well. I want I want I want to finish stronger than I began. And uh, I'm focused on one thing only right now in my life. I want to start living for the next life now. Because that's the only way we can be victorious. We live for the next life now. Second Thessalonians 1, beginning at verse 6, seeing it's a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. My greatest prayer today is, Lord, let me be counted among the saints. Let me be counted among the righteous. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to hear him say to me, I don't know you, depart from me. Unto him who is able to keep us from falling, the Bible says, and to present us without fault, blameless before his glory, to the only wise God be the glory. I can't do it without the Lord doing it in me. So I have to surrender totally to him, daily to him, giving up things that to me are now silly to even be uh, involved with. Politics. Silly stuff. People want their picture with uh, famous people. Silly stuff. 
People want to hang something on their wall about their accomplishments. Physically. Silly stuff. It's what the Lord sees in you that's important. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter at all. They'll persecute you for living the kind of life we read about in the Bible. They'll, they'll, they'll laugh at you. They'll mock you. It's silly stuff. The important thing, and as you get older, and I pray that you sweet young people listen to me, as you get older, you see life different. I look back for the last 50 years nearly now being born again. February 2022 will be 50 years exactly for me knowing the Lord. And 48 years being in the, in the ministry, I've learned a lot. And one of the things I learned may shock you. One, two, three, four, five fingers, huh? If you have just five friends, you're rich. You're really rich. Just five. If you have five real friends in life, you're rich. I learned that in the in the church today, as it is in the world, has been in that in the world for so long, and now we're seeing it more and more in the church. There's no such thing as real friends. There's interests, only interests. If they can use you and use your influence, they'll befriend you. If you can, if they can use you and your money, they'll befriend you. But if you cannot give them anything, They shut you out. Is that friends? No. So people waste so much time building relationships. Spend so much time nurturing friendships. And at the end, that person walks away from you or talks against you or betrays you in some way. You learn that in life. And this is when you see Jesus in a different light. Because he never will do that to you. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. The Lord. He's the only one who is with you. He's the only one who said, I shall never leave you or forsake you. And he keeps that promise all the time. You're never alone. Never because he's always there. And at that last moment when our heart will stop beating, we're going to hear him say, I shall never leave you or forsake you. He's always there. What a friend we have in Jesus. Wow. If you haven't learned that, you will. So, seeing seeing that all this is coming to an end, and all the things that people look at is important, are not really that important. The only thing that's important is one thing, the fellowship with him. Knowing him, knowing him, knowing him, the knowledge of him, the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Not knowledge, the knowledge of him, his knowledge. 
Why were we born? To know him. Not to know our mommy and daddies and friends and brothers and sisters, because eventually they'll be gone too. The reason for life <clears throat> is to know the Lord Jesus. That's it. So life has no meaning without that. So how should all this affect us? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. When you begin to to see it this way, when you begin to understand it this way, then you say, okay, what am I to do? How should all this affect me that the world will go and friends will go and family will go? How should this affect me? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, the world and everything else, what manner of persons ought you to be? Seeing then, this is Second Peter three eleven. Seeing then that all these things will be resolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? I'm talking about pressing on to glory. I mean, that's the only way that I know. What must I do to press on? What manner of, of persons ought you to be? It says in all holy conversation and godliness. Verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the Lord, the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Let me finish reading verse 39, it's wonderful. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new, new, new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found, watch this, that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. But we are given some wonderful, wonderful keys here in verse 11 and the first part of verse 12. Number one, he says, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct? So, number one is holy living. Our living then, because these are the three keys he's giving us. Number one, the way we live ought, be, ought to be holy living, godly lives. So... <clears throat> The knowledge that the world is to come to a fiery end should compel us to live a holy life. Knowing that everything is going to be gone should drive us into holiness. So, um, if we are different in our nature from the world, then we have a different destiny. If we are different in our nature, when when our hearts become different from the world, because suddenly we say, okay, I'm going to live a holy life. That's different from the world. Then we begin having a brand new destiny, a brand new lifestyle. So our lifestyle should become heavenly lifestyle not earthly. Our destiny should be a heavenly destiny, not earthly destiny. 
But yes, I think it's important, and don't misunderstand, because I think there's balance here, that we do all we can to have a good life on earth. We do all we can to to have the benefits God has given has given us here. But our real focus is heaven. Our real focus is heaven. That everything we do, we do for one thing. To finish well for the Lord. To finish well for the Lord. Our, our lifestyle becomes heavenly. Our destiny becomes heavenly. Jesus did, did say you live in the world, so we can't ignore that fact. But he said you're not of the world. I've been, I've been reading, uh, and looking at the way the early church lived. How they viewed sports, for example, in the early church. Well, in the early church, because of pagan uh, practices, uh, in every sport event, early Christians did, didn't go to sport events. Because it was a lot of paganistic rituals. So they stayed away from anything satanic. Well, today, in a lot of the things people do, there's a lot of satanism, there's a lot of demonic stuff, yet they go and enjoy it. Well, that's not the way the Bible says we ought to live our lives. We, we live a lifestyle that is holy. God still wants us to enjoy life. He has given us all things to enjoy. Yes, I agree with that completely. But let's not go to a, to a place or enjoy something that has demonic things in it. The, the early church looked the same like any other person, but they didn't go to the places the world went to. They didn't do the things that the world did. Because they understood, I am a heavenly person and I don't want to be uh, bound to earthly things. So, number two, number two, uh, in, in, in verse 12, he says, looking for, looking for, looking for and hasting unto. But let's look at the word looking for. So, we must be a looking people, a forward-looking people. We are looking towards glory. We are pressing on towards heavenly things. We are looking for what? We are looking forward to the glorious appearing of the Lord. Looking and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. The Lord will, 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 will come to those who look for Him. He's not coming to take those home who are not looking for Him. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 9? It says in verse 28, Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So we, we, we need to start looking for the coming of the Lord. And, and, and Peter said that these are the things that will enable us to live that kind of heavenly life on earth when we begin looking for the heavenly. Not only dismantling what is earthly, but looking for the heavenly. Looking for. Wow, I love that. We look for Jesus. 
in, in the book of Titus 2.13, again we, 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 we see this important point about looking, expecting, come Lord Jesus, the, the church Christ, come Lord Jesus with the Holy Spirit, come. I've had that cry in my heart lately more than I've ever in my life. In verse 13 it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So we are a looking people. Now let's, let's, let's look at, at one more thing in Second Peter because this is really important that we, 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 we understand this, this final point on how do I do it? It says hasting unto the comings. Not only looking for it, but hasting. We are not to wait passively for zero hour to strike. We have our part in all this. We bring the day nearer. How? Preach the gospel. Begin to witness. Begin to share the gospel with your friends, with your relatives, with your neighbors. In, in, in 2 Timothy, I'm going to show you something really powerful. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19, we see something very important. It says, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. 2 Timothy 2, 19. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So, every time somebody is saved, every time someone comes to the Lord, it brings that day nearer. Because it says, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. The church is His. The elect the chosen, chosen before the foundation of the world, that we should be his. Because only God knows the full number of his people. It says so in this verse and other parts of the scriptures. Now when you read, when you read Psalm, let's look Psalm 2, I'm almost done. Let's look at Psalm 2 and let's look at verse 8. Ask of me, now God is speaking to his son here. He's not saying that to us. He's speaking that to the Lord. Ask of me, I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possessions. And in John 6, the Gospel of John 6, 37, the Lord said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Only those that the Father giveth me will come to me. So in the Psalms, ask of me, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. And Jesus asked for the church. Because in John he said, these that thou hast given unto me, I have lost none. And in John 6, 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in, in no wise cast them out. So everyone who is saved is saved because he's drawn by the Holy Spirit. 
But we have to tell them. We have to preach the gospel. So God would use the gospel to bring those that are already in the book of life. It brings that day nearer. So our status in this world, here it is. We are a heavenly people rescued from the dominion of darkness, having entered into the kingdom of heaven. So we are a colony of heaven on earth. So our thinking now, our thinking must now demonstrate and heaven in our own life. And our thinking must now be dominated by the unseen heavenly world. I want to repeat that. Our thinking now must be dominated by the unseen heavenly world, not by the seen world. You remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So our thinking must become now dominated by the heavenly. And we have to understand we have a heavenly vision. And and like Paul, uh, when he saw that heavenly vision on the road to Damascus, he said, I was not disobedient in Acts 22. 11, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So he was obedient to the heavenly vision. And also in Acts 26, 19. He, 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 he understood you cannot disobey this heavenly vision. So we too have got to obey our vision of heaven. We're also a people with a heavenly call. Hebrews 3 verse 1 talks about that. We are a people with a heavenly call. Let's go to Hebrews. Look at chapter 3 and look at verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our faith, Christ Jesus. Wow. So salvation is that heavenly call. That's our heavenly calling. And what we experience in our salvation on earth is only a taste of our heavenly inheritance. Our heavenly call is a taste of our heavenly inheritance. And don't forget, we are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 talks about our citizenship is in heaven. We are heavenly citizens. Now, the world is always trying to pull us back into this world. Romans 12.2 says, be not conformed to this world. Don't, Don't go back to it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let heaven dominate your mind. It's interesting that Abraham and Lot left Ur and Aran 
Abraham was looking for a city that God built, and Lot looked for a city that man built. Imagine that, uh, what he got when he got to Sodom, huh? A lot of people are like Lot, they're looking for cities that they themselves want, they themselves are building. Natural, uh, material advantage was the motive there with Lot. All right. Abraham looked for a city. Let's look together and, and close now with Philippians 3. A very familiar portion to all of us. Beginning at verse 12 to 14, Paul writes in Philippians 3, Not as though I had already attained, other were already perfect. That's the way I see myself. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I forget this world. I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things which are before me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So I reach out to that. I press on towards glory. I forget the past. And I press on for the prize. What is the prize? What is the heavenly vision? He is our heavenly vision. The prize is the Lord himself. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. And the high calling is that I might know him. That's all. That I may know him. That's the greatest call we all have. Let's pray, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some beautiful worship. And I'm believing God to do something really special in your life today. And this year. I, I, I just want you to lift your hands to heaven and just begin praying in the Holy Ghost right now. And I want to just put some beautiful worship on. Hallelujah. And this is what we need to do. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you lift your hands and just say, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, sweet Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray every one of them, every one of them, Lord, will come to that place in their life where like Paul the Apostle, they'll forget the things that are behind. Look forward. Press on, onward, looking unto Jesus.
the author and finisher of our faith. Let your presence permeate their being. Let your presence fill their being. In your holy name, Lord. In your blessed name, Lord. Cause a cry to come forth, Lord. Cause a cry to come out of their being today. To know you in depth. Eternally. Let your mighty presence be so real in our lives in 2022. Your tangible presence. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I give you praise, Lord. And that's the key. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you for allowing me to be with you today. I pray this has been a blessing. Now it's time to give to the Lord's work. It's time to say thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We bless your holy name, Lord, for all your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. Every time you give, you praise him. Every time you give, you exalt him. It's worship. Give unto the Lord what is due to his glorious name. The Bible says, come before him with an offering and worship him in the Psalms. So let's do it. Now remember what you sow today will bless you in the future financially and protect your life and your finances. All right, you can give right now by just simply going on the platform you're watching me on, where it says give or donate, or go to our website, benihin.org, or simply text BHM45777. Thank you again. Much love. I'll see you tomorrow.